Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Michael Talercio, pastoral intern of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and it's day 429. If you're joining us for the first time, something unique is happening this morning. We're not looking at just one chapter of Scripture as we usually do. In fact, we're not looking at chapters at all. We're in the Psalms this morning, and so we're looking at individual psalms, even though there's more than just one. Uh, We're looking at three, in fact, for today. We're going to be reading from Psalms 62, 63, and 64. And so it's not always one chapter per day, but uh, we're glad that you are able to join us for three psalms for this morning. Let's ask for the Lord's help as we look at these psalms to see what he wants us to get from them in our short time today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to be alive for another day, Lord, another opportunity to hear from your word and to to know you more intimately. We are needy people, Lord, who need uh, so much more than even we realize. Thank you that you stand ready to provide it for us, Lord. We praise you for your son, Jesus. He is the one that these psalms are ultimately about, Lord. And so we pray that in this short time, you would help us. Help us to understand what these psalms were saying in the the time when they were written and to see how they were pointing us to your son uh, and how they are meant to train us for godly living under his lordship. And we pray that you would receive the praise that you're due from this and that we would be transformed to be more like your son, who you are utterly and entirely pleased with. And we pray it in his name. Amen. All right, we'll read from Psalm 62 straight through 64. All right, Psalm 62, to the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Psalm 63, a psalm of David. 
when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped." Psalm 64, to the choir master, a psalm of David. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search. For the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. Psalms 62, 63, and 64 are all written by David. And each one of them involves David dealing with persecution. And in particular, it's because he is king that he is experiencing persecution. Verse 4 of Psalm 62 makes this clear. They, those who are persecuting him, only plan to thrust him, that's David speaking of himself in the third person, they, the persecutors, only plan to thrust him, David, down from his high position his position as king. See, David is God's chosen king over Israel, and he knows that there are those who hate him because he is that king. And as verse 4b says, as a pleasure in falsehood, they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. That's the kind of persecution that David is dealing with. That's not the only kind, but in Psalm 62, he's speaking of those who are persecuting him 
inwardly. They hate David and they're trying to either trap him or they're content to just hate him internally while speaking generously and kindly and flatteringly with their lips. Inwardly, they're cursing him because they hate the king that God has chosen. But David strengthens himself in his God. Did you notice that he even begins Psalm 62 by strengthening himself in the truth of who God is? For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. And then as he continues on, he resumes that same truth. He picks it right back up in verse 5. But this time he's almost commanding his soul to believe what he knows to be true. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. This is instructive for us. When we feel as though we are being persecuted, and when we are being persecuted, we can not only, we can be tempted to simply state truth and to kind of move on from it, but, but David is actually instructing us to tell our souls what is true. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Do this. Wait in silence. Don't even speak. Remember that God is your hope. That's what David is doing in order to console himself for the persecution he's experiencing as God's anointed king, as those around him are mocking him, even though they seem to be praising him. He knows what's going on in their hearts. Trust in him at all times, O people, he says in verse 8. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So notice, as he's saying to his soul to wait in silence, he's not saying, don't pour out your heart before the Lord. He's not saying, don't be honest and don't keep silence as you are encountering this falsehood, but pour your heart out to the Lord. He knows what you're going through. And really, as Pastor Jason has been pointing out repeatedly from our time in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, David isn't the true king of God's people. He is the anointed king in his day of Israel, but he's not the true anointed king of Israel. That would be Jesus. And to bring Jesus down from his high position as king is exactly what the people in his day tried to do. In fact, they killed him in an attempt to do just that. But Jesus knew that verse 11 is true. Power belongs to God. And to the Lord belongs steadfast love. And that the Lord will render to a man according to his work. And that's exactly what God did by raising Jesus from the dead. Proving that the work that Jesus did by coming to die on behalf of God's people was what he valued, was what God said is good. That's the commitment that God made to Jesus to raise him, to show his power. 
by raising him from the dead. And it's because of that that in Psalm 63, we can see another picture of Jesus. You see, because Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will for him being the anointed king to be rejected by his people and to die on behalf of his anointed people, his chosen people, it's because of that that what we read of in verse 5 from Psalm 63 is true in an eternal sense. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. You see, we have opportunity as God's people because of Jesus to partake of the Lord's Supper. And today's a perfect opportunity. It's the first Sunday of the month. And so we get to participate in the Lord's Supper. Hope you're looking forward to that as I am. But verse 5 actually points us forward to something even greater. It points us to an eternal feast that we will be able to enjoy with Jesus and with one another forever because of what Jesus has accomplished. Because he is the high king who voluntarily was brought down from his high position in order to die in the place of his people and be raised again by his father. Now we get to feast with him forevermore with rich, fat food, as it says in verse 5. <sighs> Can't wait. <laughs> but let's finish with Psalm 64 here. Just a quick note. How is it that Jesus does this? How is it that he deals with those who are persecuting him in his death? Well, verse 7 gives us a hint. You see, verses 5 and 6 again in Psalm 64 describe the work of those who are persecuting him, persecuting David, but really, really trying to impugn Christ and destroy Christ himself. Verse 5, they hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? Meaning, who can see these snares? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search. See, this is just pointing us to those who would try to destroy Jesus' character, to, to tarnish his reputation, to to somehow suggest that he isn't exactly who he said he was, that he isn't the Son of God, that he isn't the, the Messiah, that he isn't one who is actually healing and blessing people, but he's a blasphemer. He's, he's, a, he's leading the people astray. That's, these are the kind of things that they were saying of him. Uh, they were trying to destroy Jesus. And what does God do with his power? As we saw in Psalm 62, verse 11, God is the one who has power. Power belongs to him. What does he do with it? Well, Psalm 64, verse 7, God shoots his arrow at these enemies. They are wounded suddenly. You see, it was on the cross where Jesus took on the wrath of God for God's people. But in that same moment, Jesus' death, his brutal death, the separation that he experienced from the Father on the cross is a representation of the judgment that will be experienced in full by all of those who will refuse to repent and to be brought under the sacrificial covering of Jesus on the cross.
such that they are struck with the arrows of God. God's arrow will pierce those who deserve that judgment and refuse to be brought under the pierced side of Jesus on their behalf. Somebody gets pierced in the end. It's either Jesus or it's you. Which will it be, folks? (laughs) Which will it be? If you're a believer, thank God that it's Jesus who is pierced on your behalf. If you're not, now's opportunity to come under his sacrificial piercing, his being brought down from his kingship to the point of death. It says in Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, that Jesus humbled himself as a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross, and that thereby God highly exalted him. But he humbled himself to obey his Father, and in that, to save people like you and I. So if you don't know Jesus, come under his sacrificial covering for you today. And if you do, let's pray for those now who haven't, that we know, that we want to be brought under this protection of God's true King. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had in these three Psalms, Lord, this brief time. There's so many riches here that we've not been able to tap into, Lord, but we thank you that Jesus is your anointed King, Lord, and that he is the anointed King who allowed himself to be brought down, as it were, to the point of death, even death on a cross so that he could be lifted up and raised up in glory with a people, people like us. We pray, Father, for those who don't know you, Lord. We pray that those that you have put in our life that don't know you, that our hearts would be broken just a bit more for them, Lord, today, and that we would be, that they would be on our minds, that we would be prayerful, on their behalf, so that they might come under the kingship of Jesus and be saved by him from your wrath, O God, which they deserve, which we have all deserved. Thank you that you have provided a way for that wrath to be dealt with. Thank you that in that process, you've shown us what it's like for you to pierce with your arrow those who are at fault and who are an offense to you. Thank you that we don't have to remain that way because of Jesus. It's in his name that we make these prayers. Amen. Well, I'm glad you were able to join us today for a look at three different Psalms, uh, back to back to back. I pray that you'll have been blessed by this look, very brief look at Jesus as David points us forward to him uh, in these these little pictures here. Uh, And I hope that you'll be back with us again um, real soon. God bless you on this Lord's Day.